The following is message three of the 2018 Calgary Weekend Blending Conference with Brother Ron Kangas, spoken on August 19th. Message title, The Experience of Living in the Divine and Mystical Realm. In Colossians chapter 1, there is a verse of very special importance. And that is verse 13. And in this verse, Paul is referring to the Father, God the Father, mentioned in the previous verse. And this is what Paul says. The Father has delivered us out of the authority of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of of the Son of His love. This the Father did through redemption and regeneration. In verse 13, we see two kingdoms, or we may say two realms. The first is the realm where right now, billions of people are living in. It's called the authority of darkness. And a somewhat parallel verse is Acts 26.18, where the Lord directs Paul concerning his ministry to go to the people and open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the authority of Satan to God. So there you have the authority of Satan. In Colossians 1.13, the authority of darkness they are the same. God is not the only one who has a kingdom. The enemy of God also has his own kingdom for a period of time, consisting of the angels who followed him in rebellion all the demons and all the fallen people on the earth and the world system in which they live. And the gospel revealed in the New Testament in its primary meaning, meaning is the gospel of the kingdom. And that's exactly what is referred to in this verse from Colossians. We have been transferred. Believing in Christ, receiving eternal life, and being saved is a transfer out of one realm into another, out of one kingdom into another. 
it makes a tremendous difference as to the realm in which we live, both humanly and spiritually. So I illustrate with a hypothetical or imaginary illustration. Suppose a Korean couple living in South Korea give birth to twins, identical twins. Then due to some unforeseeable circumstances, the twins are separated at birth. And one grows up in South Korea and the other grows up in North Korea. Let's flash forward, and now they're 25. Do you think they'll be the same? They're identical twins. So surely, genetically, there will be a bond, but they will be totally different kinds of persons. Because the realm in which they grew up and developed and lived shaped them, their thinking, their values, their experiences are immeasurably different. Two or three years ago, especially, as we all know, Hundreds of thousands, even millions of people fled Syria, Afghanistan, Iran, with the goal somehow to make it into Europe, into a country like Germany or Sweden. And their thought was, if we could only get out of the realm in which we are and be allowed to live in another country, everything will be different. And once we make this move, we would like to work to bring our family where we are. So we can see the matter of realm even for humans, makes an enormous difference. And I sympathize with people who want to leave a certain realm or a certain city run by MS-13 gangs to try to get out of there to be in another place. So I want to emphasize this thought that realm, where we are, very much determines what we are and what we will become. So in the purely physical realm, it makes a difference concerning in what country we live. In the purely spiritual realm, 
as we see from Colossians 1.13, there is an immeasurable difference concerning what spiritual realm we are in. The authority of darkness, the authority of Satan. The vast majority of people on the earth right now are in the kingdom of Satan, ruled by the authority of Satan. And most of them don't even believe there is an enemy. But God has delivered us. That was the first step to deliver us out of the authority of darkness, then to transfer us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. How could the difference be greater? The satanic authority of darkness. Now you're not simply in the kingdom of God. It's called the kingdom of the Son of His love the most delightful realm in the universe where we are ruled by love, light, and life in an atmosphere filled with God's love for his Son and for all of us who are sons in the Son. As soon as you see the contrast, you would want to live forever in the kingdom of the Son of God's love. Now, actually, our burden this weekend is not specifically on two different spiritual realms. It's on something closely related to what we call the physical realm of the material universe created by God and another realm which is divine because it involves God and is mystical because it's a reality beyond our physical senses and beyond our mind's ability to fully understand. And this realm is God himself. With this in mind, I'd like to bring forth a verse from Zechariah. Chapter 12, verse 1. Many of us are familiar with this verse. The prophet says, this is the burden of the Lord. He stretched forth the heavens laid the foundation of the earth and formed the spirit of man within him. So this verse begins with the creation of the material, physical universe. And what God creates is good. But the focus will be on the earth so God forms the foundation of the earth. We know from Genesis 2 that we in our physical being were from the earth. 
Our body is physical to the uttermost. A composition of so many physical things. It's not bad. God created something very good. So it is of God and his creation that we have a physical body and live in a physical realm. But Zechariah 12.1 emphasizes that there's something in man that's not physical. It's called the spirit of man. And the spirit of man is ranked with the heavens, which are stretched out, and with the earth, the foundation of which is laid. So although we have a physical body, and by creation are a living soul, at the center of our being is the human spirit, okay? Why? Why did God create a spirit in us? He placed us in space and time on the earth with a physical body that needs oxygen, water, nourishment, clothing, a place to live. Why did he do this? What was his purpose? Well, this purpose is related to the human spirit. We know from the Lord's clear word in John 4, God is spirit. So God is not a soul. God is not material. God is spirit. So God created us with the human spirit. The human spirit is not the same as the spirit of God. The human spirit is not the divine life, but is similar to it. So what was God's thought in creating us with a spirit in the midst of our physical body that is placed in the physical realm. As we consider the Bible as a whole, we see God intends to accomplish something with us during our sojourn on the earth that is called his eternal purpose. So while we are living on the earth, God wants us to use our spirit to contact him, to receive him, to contain him, and eventually even to digest him as our life element. So that now that the process God is in us, 
He can do a work from the inside out during our life on the earth to accomplish his eternal purpose, which is to have the church, his body, as the corporate expression of Christ, who himself is the embodiment and expression of the triune God. And it is a fact that our sojourn on earth in the physical realm is only for a brief period of time. Then everyone will go to a different realm. Everyone. Their spirit and soul will be separated from their body. Then every departed soul will go to Hades, the realm of death. Those that are redeemed will be in paradise. Those that are not will be in an unpleasant section. Then ultimately, every human being will be resurrected. And those that are saved will appear before the Son of Man concerning the kingdom. Those that are not saved will appear before the great white throne. And then everyone eternally will be in a certain realm. This is just the way it is. So, obviously, none of us decided to be born. None of us is here by choice. Regarding us as believers, we read Ephesians 1. God chose us to be holy before he created the universe. You didn't wait and ask your permission. Do you agree with my plan that you would be holy as I am holy? He decided that. He's God. He does things like that. And he predestinated us unto sonship to have the life and position of sons to express him. Then in time, we were born. And at the time appointed by God, the good news of the gospel reached us in some way. We believed in the Lord. We received him. He entered into us. We were born of God. Now by his mercy we're here. We love him. We enjoy him. We remember him. We praise him. We adore him. We glorify him. So here we are in the physical realm, which in God's creation was without fault. Because sin entered humanity and man rep represents the whole creation. Now the entire creation is in the realm of vanity. So viewed from the positive side, we are still God's creatures created by him for his purpose, living in the physical realm as is normal. But on the negative side, 
the realm in which we are living is vanity of vanities. And the world system invented and developed by Satan, we're all in it, but not of it. Now, what does God want? He hasn't changed his mind. He created us as vessels with a spirit to receive him, to contain him, and to express him corporately. This is his purpose. Amen. And we know from 2 Timothy 1.9, God saved us for this purpose. So now we come, as a review for many, but as an introduction to others hearing this for the first time, we come to the matter of two realms. The physical realm, which is most obvious, in which we live in space and time and go from stage to stage in our human life. And in various stages, we have genuine needs for development, for education, for training, for a life partner. There's a longing to have a family. We need to take care of our health. We need enjoyment. We need financial supply. We have these human needs. And we shouldn't be so, quote, spiritual to ignore them when the Lord is teaching us concerning the reality of prayer he speaks of great and glorious things sanctifying God's name his will being done on earth his kingdom coming and then he says pray for daily bread you are human Daily bread is what you need as a human being to live on this earth. There's nothing wrong with bringing your needs to the Lord, whatever they are, and opening your being to him. Because everything that matters to us matters to him. Because if we don't have our daily bread, that is everything we need to live, we cannot live on this earth for God's purpose. We die prematurely. We don't live out our course. Sadly, religion seriously dehumanizes people. Religious people are among the most non-human humans. They just kill enjoyment with their regulations, with their restrictions, with their demands, with their judgments. It just damages humanity. Look what it produced in Saul of Tarsus. Someone who wanted to destroy the church that Christ purchased with his blood. So actually, God's purpose has nothing to do with religion. 
It has to do with created human beings who were fallen, being redeemed, forgiven, cleansed, reconciled to God, born of God, enlightened by God, and then enabled to see what this is all about. So because we are, obviously, in this physical realm, and I say repeatedly, we should live as normal a life and productive a life humanly as we can. But we are not here for human life as an end in itself. We exist for something eternal. God's eternal purpose. And if our life on the earth as believers is to contribute to the fulfillment of God's eternal purpose, we need to realize first that we have a spirit that's not the same as the soul. Then we need to know the functions of this spirit to have fellowship with God, to have a good conscience before God, to have a way to know God by our intuition. Then we go on to see that the Lord wants to dispense himself into our spirit and from our spirit expand into our soul and our body to transform us and to conform us to the image of his Son. So what the Lord is praying for now, what he released through Brother Lee in 1996 spring, was the vision of the divine and mystical realm which is the triune God himself. But for us, the divine and mystical realm is the processed and consummated triune God who is in us and in whom we are. We have this mutual indwelling. In our spirit, he dwells. When we are in our spirit, we are in him. This is John 15. Abide in me and I in him. So our general subject is living in the divine and mystical realm. Not visiting it. Not having a summer cottage in it to go there for a break but to live in this realm while we are living in the physical realm. While I was sitting there, not long before I stood up, I had a little conversation with the Lord. And this conversation was a supply also to me. I was letting him know, I was sharing with him, my situation, I said, Lord, right now, 
my body is feeling such and such, my body is in this realm, my body's in the physical realm, but Lord, my spirit, right now, through my spirit, I'm in another realm of resurrection, of ascension, of the all-inclusive Christ, of the flowing triune God, of the reality of the body of Christ. So that when we speak about living in these two realms, it's not a theory. It's a reality. So to live in the divine and mystical realm means that as wherever we are day by day, whatever we're doing day by day, in outwardly, we're taking care of that. We're doing laundry again. We're doing dishes again. We're in traffic again. We're calculating our taxes again. We're in the dentist chair again. You are reading Curious George gets an iPad. I don't think there is such a volume. For the 87th time to your little girl. Most of our daily things are not exactly exciting, thrilling, adventurous activities. We're just proceeding day by day. Then crises come. And the Lord brings us through. And no matter what age you are now, you may be an immortal 17-year-old. Invincible. It's okay. Be invincible until you're not. Be immortal until you're not. It's okay. I would not rob you of your youth. Okay? I would not push premature maturity on you. Just be young. And let's give them the freedom to be young. Let's not deprive them of their youth, okay? Because we know it's, you're not going to be there forever. You're going to be a 20-something. And you're going to be a 40-something. And if the Lord's coming is delayed, you might be a lot older than I am right now. So I hope this is clear. I want, I've been, I want to emphasize this strongly. God created us to live for a period of time on this earth in space and time and to have as normal a human life, as productive a human life as we can. And it's sad that so many Christians are taught, yes, you will be in another realm. As soon as you pass away, you'll be in heaven, in the mansion prepared for you. So that is their other realm. So their life on the earth is not one with God for his purpose. There's no realization. Then instead of God's goal to have the new Jerusalem as the wife of the redeeming God, they have heaven, and some even write little pamphlets arguing that all of your pets will have eternal life. If that's the case, I don't know how I'll live. I had hundreds of fish. 
dozens of rabbits, quails, dogs, puppies. Am I going to have to live with them forever? It's just ridiculous, but also tragic, that right now, on what is called a Sunday morning, so many believers are being misled concerning God's purpose, the meaning of our life, the significance of regeneration, what it means to be saved in life, what is God's goal, what does the bride mean to the Lord. So he must have a recovery on the earth to sound out the truth and then for us to learn to live out the truth that we have seen so that when we meet the Lord, as we all will, at the judgment seat of Christ, he'll be able to say to us, well done. You were just a common person on the earth. You were a carpenter. You were a mechanic. You were a school teacher. You were an accountant. You got married. You had children. You took care of your children. You got saved. I brought you into the church life. You saw the vision. And through all kinds of things, you stayed here for decades. And you served in a practical way. You served with the children. You prepared food for a love feast. You arranged chairs in the meeting hall. And I remember everything. I remember every act of service. Every time you preached the gospel. Every time you shepherded someone. I remember all that you gave. I remember all of your prayers. And now I'm glad to say to you, well done. Enter into my joy. Reign with me in the kingdom. Come into the wedding feast. You're an overcomer. But I'm speaking in principle now. Some so-called television evangelists Glorifying themselves, asking for your money, claiming to do this and that. When they stand before the Lord and the fire proves their work, the Lord may say, you know what you have left now as you stand before me? You have the measure of life I imparted to you the day you got saved. Your life was a waste. You didn't grow, but you presumed to teach others. And not only led yourself astray, you led them astray. So you have not grown. I compare you with this one here, this ordinary person. He worked with his hands his whole life. He didn't get an education beyond high school, but he labored for his children to go further than he. 
He was an unknown person to you. But he is one who learned to live for my eternal purpose in his human life on the earth. So first, in the first message, we considered seeing this realm by receiving light little by little for us to realize that God himself consummated is the realm in which we live. We are in him, John 14, 20. In that day you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. So we are in the Son who is in the Father and the Father is in the Son who is in us. So what the Lord wants us to learn to do is to fulfill the Lord's word in John 15, abide in me and I in you. And we abide in the Lord by being in our spirit and he abides in us by living as the spirit in us. And little by little, we will learn to do this in the midst of whatever we're doing in our physical life. Then we began to consider in message two what it's like to actually live in the divine and mystical realm. What are some of the experiences? And we considered a number. And now in message three, we're continuing considering the experiences of living in the divine and mystical realm. So those learning to live here, although they're still learning, and no one takes the position of being an expert, they can say, in this realm, even this week, I experienced organic salvation, somewhat. I can testify to you that this Lord's Day morning, I have more God in me than seven days ago. And I experienced some sanctifying and renewing, especially this week. It was renewing. And also, I can share with you, I experienced the divine transmission at certain times. And there was a pum, pum, pum. And there was the heavenly supply. And I can also share with you that in the home meeting I attend, which has been kind of dormant for a period of time, it's becoming more vibrant, and I enjoyed genuine fellowship, the real flowing of the divine life. Amen. And last Friday night, when we left at 10 minutes after 10, we all were refreshed, not because we liked the dessert, <laughs> but because we all experienced the flowing of the divine life. So we should be able to be able to share with others 
This is what it's like. I've never lived in Australia, but I've visited Australia a number of times. I can tell you a little bit of what it's like. It's the land of the kookaburra birds. Well, what kind of sound do they make? And now I know where the name Kangas comes from. It's related to kangaroo over there, okay? So underlying the, the playfulness here, if you spend any time in a realm, you know something about it. So, I've visited Russia twice a year for 20 years. I can tell you a little bit. But I can't testify the same as someone who has lived there their whole life. So we're not talking about something theoretical. We're talking about an experienced reality. So now we'll go on in the remaining time to consider outline three, four other aspects of living in the divine and mystical realm. One, the divine and mystical realm of the consummated spirit in this realm, we live a spontaneous and effortless Christian life according to the automatic function of the law of life. Romans 8, 2 speaks of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So when we abide in the Lord, that is, we are in Christ, we are in the divine and mystical realm, and here we discover a law works. The law of the spirit of life. And this law causes us to live a God-man life spontaneously, effortlessly. So I use this illustration, and I should direct it to the married brothers. We'll just spare all the dear sisters. We are under a command, not a word of advice. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. In other words, this is how you are to love your own wife. And Paul emphasizes you love your own wife. You only have one. You love her. You don't love an imaginary person. You're married to her. And you love her the way Christ loved the church. Meaning, he laid down his life for her. So you need to love your wife to the extent you would die for her. And you will lose your soul life for her. You will pay any price to care for her. That's a command. So here is my question. 
Is this, is this easy to do or difficult to do? To love your wife like this. So here's the answer. The answer depends on the realm. It's not difficult. It's impossible. <laughs> impossible for us self-loving men, self-absorbed men, to love someone like this. But, on the other hand, nothing could be easier. It's, it's just so easy. Because you love by the law of the spirit of life. It's like a bird. I don't know if it's really true that little birdies in the nest eventually Mama Bird says it's time to fly and kind of kicks them out. I think I was misled by an elementary school science teacher about this, but those of you who know ornithology, you can correct me while we're having lunch. But when the bird is out of the nest, it's not thinking like this. I am a bird. As a bird, I am supposed to fly. So how do I do this? Which wing do I move first? If the bird is thinking like this, it is plummeting to the ground. It flies by law. It's a bird. It has a bird life. In the bird life is the bird law. And the law of the bird life is you fly. You just fly. And um, on a certain situation, my wife or I and some saints, we were on this passenger cruiser going to Tallinn, Estonia. And we went out on the deck and we watched a man feeding these seagulls. And just to see how they would fly and then they could just stand in place and then go for the food effortlessly. That's the law of the spirit of life. Okay, if you are trying to be patient, to be humble, to be gracious, to be forbearing, to love, to submit, you're absolutely in the physical realm. You're trying to live by your will. And you're under the religious regulation. You have to do this. These are the requirements for you not to be worldly. So here's the list. These are the colors you can wear. Dark blue is okay if it's light blue, worldly. Okay? Black is okay. Oh, a kind of uh, other color. No, whatever it is. So if you're trying to be a Christian, you're not living that moment in the divine and mystical realm. You are doing your best to be absolute for God, to do this for him. You're like a bird 
that is trying to fly by will instead of by law. But the Christian life, this, this is a great liberating truth. It's a life by the law of the spirit of life. I observed this when I lived in a house with 15 aquariums filled with fish, backyard rabbit hutches with an increasing number of rabbits. There were quails. There were three dogs. There were the puppies. There were the three kids of mine. I observed they all functioned spontaneously according to the law of their particular life. I didn't have to train the rabbits to hop. I didn't have to train the quails to make this kind of sound. I didn't teach the fish anything. And the kids, they were just kids as normal as can be. The Christian life is like this. There's no self-effort in the divine and mystical realm. Here we just live spontaneously, automatically, by the law of the spirit of life. So yes, there's a commandment to law, uh, to love, you don't say, for no one, I'm really going to love my wife the way Christ loved the church. Okay. You think you're doing that. Ask her if you have the courage. Ask her what's really happening, and you will get an accurate report. <laughs> so instead of trying to love her, just enjoy the Lord. Just be open to the divine dispensing. Receive transmission. Experience organic salvation. Enjoy the flowing of life. And you'll just love her. If for a period of time you're not expressing love for her, okay, you're in yourself. So she's aware of that. She helps you become aware of that. You come back to the mingled spirit. So I read the subpoints now. The law of the spirit of life is the automatic and spontaneous capacity of the triune God as life in the believers. Do, do you think it's hard for God to love? Do you think he, he thinks like this? I'm God. I'm supposed to love everybody. Oh, but just look at these people on the earth. Wow, what a task. He is just God. He loves by nature. Now we have the triune God in us as the law of the spirit of life. And he just wants to live. But we need to stop trying. And I know what happens. You have a failure. And so you say, Lord, I give up. And you do give up for half an hour, and then you're trying again, but eventually a day will come when you will really realize it's impossible to be a God-man. I can't possibly be an overcomer. I'll ne I could never make myself an overcomer, but
But I have the overcomer living in me as the spirit of life. If I let him live in me, he will do this. So I say, Lord, I'm going to try this. I'm just going to love you and enjoy you and open to you and let you live and let you be the person you are and we'll see what happens. And you get a joyful result. Point B says, to experience the law of life as the spirit and in function it has the capacity to make us God in life and nature, but not in the Godhead, and to constitute us as the members of the body of Christ with all kinds of functions. Well, look at everybody here. Everybody grown up. How did we all start? As one cell in the womb of our mother, how did we get from one cell to this? How did it happen? And, and how did it end up, we, we look the way we are, eventually we just have to accept the body we have. Some of us have to go through quite a process. It's just the law of the human life that was in this cell governed the full development of us. Our parents nurtured us, provided for our education, our moral training, so many things, but they did not cause our development. It was the law of the human life in us from the moment of conception that developed into a little person inside the mother then the little person comes forth, hair or no hair, just here. Then the little person goes through stages and you end up a mature adult. That's what happens in the divine and mystical realm. That's what happens. Well, the one who begot us is God. And so the law of the spirit of life is going to make us the same as God in life and nature, but not in the Godhead. And at the same time, we'll be fully human and we'll end up, when we grow up, we'll be mature God-men. I just can't put into words what a release it is to let the law of the spirit of life work in you. Did you have breakfast today? Are you working now to digest the food? Are you doing it by will? And once the food's digested, are you deliberately breathing? Are you deliberately causing your heart to beat? Is there not something called an autonomic nervous system that's just doing this? What a marvelous liberation just in trying to be a Christian. We all long to be an overcomer. I believe many of us that are 40 plus, we have real concern, real worries of whether we're going to pull this off. 
And deep within, we still are hoping, but at the same time, we're wondering. But if we would just realize to overcome is the spontaneous function of the law of the spirit of life. The overcoming life is in us. And we are in the overcomer. We just stay here and he will reproduce himself. This is how he does it. Then I would add this about overcomers for your encouragement, especially if you're way past 40. The Lord is producing overcomers as the sevenfold intensified spirit. This means he intensifies everything that's in the life-giving spirit. Sevenfold life, sevenfold grace, sevenfold love. So he can do a lot in a month, a lot in a year. Just open to him and see this, say, Lord, operate in me. It's so simple. Then the law will work. See, the law of life functions in the divine and mystical realm of the pneumatic Christ. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So we get in Christ Jesus by being in our spirit, and this happens. Okay, two. In the divine and mystical realm of the compound spirit, we become divine and mystical persons living spontaneously in the physical realm and in the divine and mystical realm. Let me read the subpoints, then I'll comment. Every believer in Christ should be a divine and mystical person. Our life should be divine yet human. Not merely human, but mystically human. Everything in our living should be divine and mystical. Like the Lord Jesus, we should be those who are apparently physical, yet invisibly divine and mystical. Okay, mystical, not strange, not weird, not peculiar, mystical. And eventually, if on your job you are learning to do your work in union with the Lord, you, you come to work and you say, Lord, I just consecrate this day to you. I have a demanding job. It requires much energy and concentration. Lord, I ask you, be the one working in me today. I take you as my person. Live in me. You know what it is to work. Then little by little, you're learning to be one spirit with him as you are working. And you're not working in isolation. You interact with others there. You befriend some of them. You may have lunch with them. You may have tea or coffee at a break with them. And eventually they have a sense there's something about you. Not weird, not strange, not peculiar. 
they can't put a finger on it. But what they're sensing is the fact that you are a human doing your job. You don't gossip like the others do. You don't talk behind the back of your bosses and criticize them. You just do your work. You're punctual. You're reliable. You're accurate. You're trustworthy. Yet you're not self-righteous. And you're not narrow. And they feel comfortable with you. Regardless of any racial or class difference. Then there will come a time when you're together and they, they either ask something, what is it about you? Or you share something. Let me just tell you something, what I've been learning. To let Christ live in me whenever I'm with you. And the Christ who lives in me would really love to live in you. Well, how can this happen? Well, I'm going to pray something, and when I pause, you repeat what I say. And the Lord comes in. This is being divinely human. Because you're in another realm while you're in that physical realm. Now there's a verse here that's important. It's Hebrews 4.16. And I need to mention it. But I want to mention it in a way that you won't be discouraged, but rather will be encouraged and just realize a certain thing is going to happen to you. And when it does, you'll be happy. And I want to illustrate it this way. There was a kind of meeting in the church in Los Angeles in which Brother Lee was responding to questions in fellowship. So I was a high school teacher in a very, very challenging high school. So challenging that one day, 50 5-0 police officers came to the campus to restore order among the students that were fighting with each other in numbers. And I had very challenging students as a special ed teacher. So I had to teach the slowest learners and the most brilliant kids in that class. And I was no expert at doing any of this. So I asked Brother Lee, Brother Lee, how can I be in the spirit while I'm teaching? And he said something which I will tell you, but also the spirit inwardly said something which I will also tell you. See, this was 1968. Yes. Some of us were young adults in 1968, ancient history. 
And that was when Brother Lee came up with these four words. He was giving a message. He said, you, you can contact God with four words. But he didn't know what the four words were. He told us later, he said, he asked the Lord, what are the four words? And the Lord gave him the words one by one. So Brother Lee said, oh, Lord, amen, hallelujah. So he said to me, Ron, outwardly you are teaching. Inwardly, it is, oh, Lord, amen, hallelujah. But what the Spirit impressed on me is, Ron, outwardly, with your body and soul, you are teaching these kids. Inwardly, in your spirit, you are one with me. But for this to happen, I need to divide your soul from your spirit. See, here is our situation. We have, to, in order to do our work, we have to use our body and our mind and our soul to concentrate. If a neurosurgeon is operating on my brain, I want him to be concentrating on what he's doing, okay? So we have to use our soul. But because our soul and spirit are not divided, our spirit has to go along with what our soul is doing. It's covered by the soul. It's buried by the soul. So when it's time for a lunch break, we can use our soul with our spirit to read the word. Or if we miss morning revival that day, we have lunch revival. Better late than never. See? And then, our, then we can use our spirit because our mind wants to be in the word. Then we go back to work and we have no thought of God for the next five hours. And after that, we feel really bad and we condemn ourselves. But every day is going to be the same. Until the Lord uses the living word, sharper than a two-edged sword, in the midst of a certain circumstance, to separate our soul from our spirit. So then outwardly, like right now, I'm using the faculty of my mind to speak to you the thoughts come, the thoughts are, possessed, are expressed in words. But at the same time, my spirit is free to be in direct contact with the Lord, to receive divine dispensing. So if I would teach a class this way, and then it's lunchtime, I don't have to come back to the Lord because I haven't left. So this will become the situation of all of us. But it may not be your situation when you go to work or to school tomorrow. So I suggest the prayer that I mentioned earlier. Don't analyze yourself. 
Don't send me an email saying, Brother Ron, has my soul and spirit been divided? Because I'll read it this way. If you have to ask the question, the answer is no. If the soul and spirit have been divided, you will not ask the question. Just begin where you are. Just say, Lord, live in me today. Be the person doing, be, be the student in me. Be the nurse in me. Be the mom in me. Whatever it is. But eventually, for us to actually live in both realms, our spirit needs to be separated from our soul. So outwardly, as a teacher, I'm teaching these challenging kids. I have to interact with them. I have to make decisions. I have to explain things. I have to discipline them. But my spirit at the same time is free to contact the Lord. So while I'm in the classroom, I'm in both realms. This eventually will become our situation. Okay, three. In the divine and mystical realm of the compound spirit, we live a life of truthfulness as the expression of the revealed divine reality. Truthfulness denotes the revealed divine reality becoming our genuineness and sincerity that we may live a life that corresponds with the divine light. The divine reality is Christ as the reality of all the offerings for the worship of God and as the fountain of living water, the life-giving spirit, partaken of and then drunk by us, his believers. To be the reality within us, which becomes our genuineness and sincerity in which we worship God as he seeks according to what he is. The point is this. In John 4, when the Lord touched the matter of go ask your husband, and she said, I don't have a husband. And the Lord says, correct, you've had five. You're living with a man now. He's not your husband. Then she became theological. Uh-oh, he's touching my being. Where are we supposed to worship? Physical thought. You say Jerusalem. <coughs> we say the mountain. <coughs> and the Lord says, neither. The hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truthfulness. And truthfulness is the revealed divine reality worked into us to become our genuineness, our sincerity, our faithfulness. Again, I speak for the United States. I speak especially for Southern California. It's hard to find a genuine sincere person. You look at the talking heads on TV. Is anyone real? You just sense the falseness. I can't bear to see it, to listen to it. Is there any politician that is just utterly transparent who will just tell you what he really thinks, what he'll really do, what he really is, how he really feels? 
But the divine and mystical realm is the realm of reality. We pointed last night from 1 John 5.20, we are in the true one. We are in the true. We're in the reality. The spirit of reality is guiding us into all the reality. The divine reality is saturating us. Then on a human level, we become a genuine person. You just know this person's sincere. This person is real. When I fellowship with this brother, there'll be nothing political. There'll be nothing religious. There'll just be genuine, sweet fellowship. It just melts your heart. And God has been, the Father has been waiting for such worshipers. I'm not here criticizing. I'm just identifying the situation. Today's a Sunday. How much worship did God the Father receive in Calgary this morning? How much? The Father can say, that's the worship I wanted. That's worship in spirit and sincerity. I do believe, and I very much enjoyed, that in the Lord's table meeting, there was a measure of worship in spirit and in truthfulness. Amen. Thank the Lord for this. So something happens to our being by living in this realm. And the Apostle John, in particular, testifies of this. So when he wrote his second epistle, he wrote to a certain sister and to her children, and he says, whom I love in truthfulness. He could say this. This is some, a well-known sister. Her sons and daughters were known. John is an elderly person. He's 90 plus. So he can say something like this. Someone 30, you better not. But someone like a grandpa like this, he can say, I love you and your children in truthfulness. Where do you see this? Imagine living in a realm where we all worship God and love one another in truthfulness. Everyone is genuine. Everything is real. Now the last section. Four. The divine and mystical realm of the compound spirit. Okay, in it. We are mingled with the triune God for the keeping of oneness. The real oneness is in the triune God. The oneness of the believers is actually the oneness of the triune God. It is only in the triune God that we can be perfected into one. The genuine oneness is the mingling of the believers with the triune God. To have such a oneness, the believers must be in the triune God as a divine and mystical realm. The believers are one with the triune God in the divine and mystical realm of the pneumatic Christ and the consummated spirit. The Lord prayed for this, that we would be one in the triune God, that we would be with him where he is that we would be perfected into one. 
But if we are merely physical in the Lord's recovery, there will be certain problems that will be caused almost always by co-workers. Because they have a physical view, they have a geographical view. And so one person that was in the recovery for some years, he presented himself eventually when he left the recovery as an American apostle. Brother Lee is too Chinese. The United States needs an American apostle, and that is me. So he considered the United States his territory. And he's the apostle for that territory. Then, 20 years later, someone in a certain part of the United States, in the Great Lakes, and in Northeast Canada, regarded that territory as his realm. Someone else in the southeast, a co-worker, was bothered when some of us were traveling there, discontacting saints who had been dormant. And he was bothered. He said, you came into my area without permission? I didn't know I needed a visa to be able to be in Georgia or to be in Florida. Then we had a situation in South America where someone considered the entire continent his territory. So when brothers who want to have a kingdom for themselves and they're gifted so they're able to raise up things then make themselves the ruler over that, they appeal to the geography. But if we see that the body of Christ is beyond space and time, there are no borders in the one new man. There are no borders in the body of Christ. Yes, there's a border separating Canada from the United States, I have to come here with a passport. The young man at the, you know, at the immigration, he asks lots of questions. Why are you coming? Well, I'm going to be with these friends of mine. Who are they? When, when did you meet them? What else are you doing? Oh, I'm going to part. I'm just going to be in a kind of informal conference. Oh, what will you speak? I said, well. I'm going to speak from John in the divine and mystical realm. But I'm not the only one. There'll be many other speakers in the meeting because I knew you would be speaking. And then he said, well, did you bring any materials in? I said, no, I sent it all electronically earlier. Okay, so I'm coming into another country. I've got to go through the process. But I knew in my spirit there's no barrier between the churches in the United States and the churches in Canada. There's no barrier between the churches in North America and South America or Russia or Africa or any place else. 
But it's only when we are in the divine and mystical realm that we are in the oneness the Lord prayed for in John 17. Then we're delivered from the physical view. This is my space. This is my territory. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the man here. But we've had a brother bothered. He was in Ecuador. He said, I'm the man in charge in Ecuador. Well, that's how he viewed himself. But that's not how we viewed him or the situation in Ecuador. Okay, you're the man. Then you be the man. The church want us, churches want us to come and just have loving fellowship with them. So here we are, and the brothers are going to keep on coming. And we kept on coming, not to defy them, but because we're in one body. Amen. So these are just nine things. I didn't cover all of them. The experiences of living in the divine and mystical realm. My point was, my intention was to give you a taste. This is real. Everything I've told you is real. The law of the spirit of life is real. I'm learning to stop trying and simply open my being to the Lord, love him, enjoy him, receive his dispensing, let him live. Then I'm a bird. I'm an eagle. I'm an eagle man flying effortlessly. But at the same time, we keep the oneness of the body. We become genuine persons. We become mysterious, mystical, God-men, truly human, yet divinely human. This happens little by little. And the Lord, I believe, is just looking for to see on the earth developing in all the local churches a group of saints learning to live in two realms at the same time. Amen. So this was a full word this morning, but we still have time, don't we, for some sharing. Um, we're not, we don't have a, a timing device but it would be good to stay within two minutes or so. I don't know how you're supposed to know, but we'll all know. <laughs> you're the only one who doesn't know. So if it's okay, maybe we can kind of gently, nicely let you know. Okay. <laughs> well, we need a number to share. And I know sometimes you're, I wouldn't say overwhelmed, but... You don't know exactly how to begin. We just need a brother or sister to come to the microphone, break the ice. We need to hear, hear from many of you. The sharing for the last two meetings has been very delightful. So we're learning this together, okay? I'm a learner. You're a learner. But we're going to learn something real. And I don't know when I'll be with you again, or if I will. But it'll be the next time I see you all. There'll be more of God in you. There'll be more of God in me. Because we're going to learn to live in two realms at the same time. Amen. Thank the Lord for his mercy.